Well, today we're continuing our series entitled Creature of Habit. After all, as we've been discussing, we all are people who have habits. In our lives, sometimes habits are a good thing. But let's be honest, oftentimes when we think about habits, habits in our life can also be bad habits. And as we start a brand new year, just a few weeks ago, a couple of Sundays ago, we started a brand new year. Often our time begins to look back at the previous year, at some of the resolutions that we want to make for the coming year. And the resolutions that we often make have to do with habits that we desire to have in our lives. By a show of hands, how many of you would be bold enough to admit as 2017 clicked over and we came into a brand new year, you yourself decided on at least one resolution for the new year. Anybody New Year's resolutions? How many of you would be honest to admit you've already broken your New Year's resolution? Because as we come into a new year, we realize that sometimes we are creatures of habits and we look at the habits of our life and the bad habits and we say, we desire to see those habits change, so we resolve that we will change those. According to an article in Time magazine, some of the top resolutions that are made at the beginning of each year, one of the most popular ones is to lose weight and to get fit. Again, habit. I want to change my habits. I want to lose weight. I want to get fit. Another habit that uh, people want to, want to break is quit smoking. Another one, eat healthier and diet. Another one, get out of debt and save money. I look at my habits and say, man, I've been spending too much in 2016. and 2017, I'm going to change my habits. Habits in our life can hurt. But did you know that there are habits in our life that also can help. And so what we're doing in this series entitled Creature of Habit is we are looking at habits that are worth having. Last week I talked to you about a habit that was all about community. And I shared with you that it's, it's important for us if we are Christ followers to be part and make a habit of being part of a community. God's Word even says, even when we see the day approaching, even as we go through the stuff that we're going to be facing in the end times, make sure that you don't neglect meeting together. Community should be a habit. So last week I shared with you about rows and circles. See, at LifePoint, we come every week and we experience life together in rows. We come and we worship God and we hear teaching and we pray for one another and we sit in rows and we grow. But if it only stops there, then we never fully develop into all that God has for us because it then has to turn into circles. And life groups is where that happens here at LifePoint. Life groups is where we come around and we get in circles and we pray for one another and we grow together. And the Bible says iron sharpens iron and we grow together. And so we talked about making a habit of community. And let me just say this. If you're not part of a life group, this is the time to join. This week is our very first life group for this semester. And so what better way to start off? We've been taking our semester break, and this week, throughout the week, different life groups will be meeting in circles, growing together. And I encourage you, if you've not already been part of a life group, to be a part, because it's a habit that's worth having. 
Fill out the communication card. The information's in your bulletin. Go by the information booth. Make sure that you are a part of Life Group as we go together. It's a habit worth having. Well, today I want to talk to you about the habit of prayer. See, as Pastor Derek was saying a moment ago, we're in our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And the emphasis should be on prayer because if we're just fasting, we're just simply hungry. But if we will pray and fast, we are seeking God and God hears humble hearts. We've done this every single year since the existence of LifePoint Fellowship. Set aside 21 days of fasting and saying, God, we want to set our year on course. Why? Because I believe that God hears humble hearts. And so we start with a fast. This past week, I posted uh, and asked. I said, look, uh, we're studying on prayer. I'm going to be talking about prayer today. Give me some testimonies about prayer in your life. And a number of you responded. Thank you for that. That was so encouraging to hear how God still answers prayer. I want to share one in particular as it relates to our, our fasting time and just challenge you as we enter into our final week of fasting together. And this is from our Connections pastors, Ben and Stephanie. And if you've known their story, they've had some medical issues throughout the years. And, and this was their response. In 2015, our family had one health issue after the other. We ended up spending our maximum out-of-pocket for health care costs that year. And we were drained physically, financially, and spiritually. Since our church starts every year fasting and praying, I dedicate it my 2016 fast to praying for health for our family. God is faithful. Through 2016, we had almost no health issues at all. Only one ear infection for Cora and a couple of colds. The change from 2015 to 2016 was dramatic and drastic. And we praise God for answering our prayers and keeping our family healthy. Just one example of why we do what we do in our 21 days prayer of fasting. It's just not so we can go hungry or go without social media or whatever it is that God directs us. It's because God still hears and still answers prayer and He listens to the humble heart. And so every year we say as a church collectively, God, would you lead us to what this year is going to look like? And then individually in our lives, would you lead us? We put an emphasis on prayer. Did you know that prayer is a privilege that we should put as a priority in our life? Aren't you proud of me, all the peace? Prayer is a privilege that we should put as a priority in our lives. It's a habit that is worth having. So today I want to uh, focus on the subject of prayer, and I want to focus on three aspects of prayer, and they're all found in Luke chapter 11. At the first part of Luke, you'll see that Luke chapter 11 is kind of broken up into three sections that we're going to focus on this morning. And the first section I want you to see is sections 1 through 4, Luke 11, 1 through 4. And I want us to see the pattern of prayer. It says here in verse 1, Now Jesus was praying. He was praying. It was his habit. It was a custom for him. He was there in a place and he was praying. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Let me pause there for just a moment. 
Here is Jesus praying. They're seeing him do the thing that is a habit to him. And when he finishes his prayer, one of the disciples raises his hand and hey, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? Now, this would not have been an uncommon request of a student or a pupil to his rabbi, to his teacher. As a matter of fact, you see there in that passage, he says, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples to pray. It would have not been uncommon for a rabbi to teach them particular prayers that would be unique to that rabbi, and they would pray together, and they would teach them. And they said, God, would you teach us to pray, Jesus, as John has taught his disciples? Often these taught prayers would be unique to the rabbi, and they would be repetitive in nature. In our society, we have some repetitive prayers that we pray. It's like this one. It's that prayer that we teach our kids to pray when they're going to bed that sounds pretty morbid if you really listen to it. Sounds like Silence of the Lambs, our Father. It goes something like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Who in the world came up with that for a four-year-old little kid to pray before bed? But we say that repetitive prayer. Or how about this one? You sit down to eat. God is great. God is good. Let us thank you for our food. Amen. Or if you're like me from Jones Creek, good gravy, good meat, good Lord, Lizzie. <laughs> But it would have been a repetitive prayer. Hey, teach us like John. Teach us like the other rabbis teach and the other teachers teach to teach us a specific prayer to pray. But Jesus was going to take it much deeper than this. Because Jesus was not going to give them just a repetition of prayer, but a pattern of prayer. And it's a pattern that you and I are familiar with. Verse 2, to their request, teach us to pray. Here's what Jesus said. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who has sinned and indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Another translation that maybe you have learned as a kid, and another passage over in Matthew, the same prayer, but another translation in the King James Version, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, because thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Teach us how to pray. And if we're not careful, we just begin to see this prayer as simply another repetition that we are to do instead of understanding it was actually a pattern of prayer for our lives. When I was in high school, we would get and we would play football. And every time we would go out for a football game, all right, gather it in, bring it in. Who's going to lead us in the prayer? And what did we do? We prayed this prayer every single time repetition. But Jesus is teaching them something much deeper about being a creature of habit and having the habit of prayer. I want us to break down what it looks like to pray like Jesus taught. The first thing we see in this prayer, in this pattern, is worship. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be our name. Here in Luke, Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's worship. Our Father, we worship. When we say our Father, we're saying, look, we know that you are preeminent. We know that you are powerful, but you are also very intimate. You are my Father, our Father. It's a worship attitude. When we come to God in prayer, we come and understand and adoration and we worship Him, our Father. Hallowed be Thy name. We understand who You are. When we come to prayer, we say, God, we so focus on You. The second thing after worship, we see surrender. Your kingdom come. Jesus' example of this is found in the Garden of Gethsemane. When we go to God and we say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, then we say, Thy kingdom come. Hey, no longer is this about my will. We understand that if you're sovereign, if you're to be worshipped, that your will is better than my way because your plans are higher than my plans. So I come to you in a place of worship, but then I also come in a place of surrender. Not my will, but your kingdom and your will be done. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, about to face death on the cross. He prays that kind of prayer, doesn't he? Lord, let this cup pass. I don't want to become sin, but I know that that's the only way that salvation will come to the world. Let this cup pass, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus is teaching, come and worship. Understand who you're approaching. Secondly, come and surrender. Understand that his will is preeminent in your life. Then thirdly, petition. Then we get to the give us this day our daily bread did you notice that petition was third on the list now when we pray to god usually that's not the way it is is it our pattern is hey god you know what i i want you to be my own star god and i want to be able to push the button anytime i have need and the first thing we come is jesus be my santa claus Before I come to him with surrender, before I come to him with worship, here's the stuff in my life. And God delights in hearing the requests of his children. But he says, what I want you to do is come to me first in a place of worship. Come to me first in a place of surrender. And then come to me with your petition. He cares. Give us this day our our daily bread. Did you see that the posture here is more important than the petition? See, because when we come in this pattern, we come in a certain posture. God, hallowed be your name. You're intimate, you're preeminent in my life, and your will is higher than mine. Now, would you give us this? You know that I have some needs, and you petition. Goes on here. We see worship, we see surrender, we see petition. The next thing we see is repentance. This is something we don't like to do, but he says, forgive us our trespasses or our debts as we forgive those who trespass or are indebted to us. Ouch. Oh, God, forgive us our trespasses. And we kind of stop there, don't we? The Bible says, in the same measure you forgive others, (laughs) it's reciprocated in your life. So we see repentance. God, forgive us. I want to be right before you. Then we see deliverance. And lead us not into temptation. Over in Matthew, the same passage, the same prayer is lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, we want to be under deliverance in your life. And then finally, praise and trust. 
Again, Matthew's account of this prayer. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The bookend pattern. God, hallowed be your name. Father, I surrender to your purpose. Jesus, I bring my petitions. I repent. I desire deliverance and freedom. For thine is the kingdom, and you are worthy. The first thing we see in this passage is the pattern of prayer. And and it's not wrong for us to pray in this way that we pray over in Matthew. He says, don't be like those who are religious that just say repetition prayer. But it's not wrong to repeat this prayer, but it was more of a pattern. God, let me come to you with the right posture. So that's what we see in verses 1 through 4. The next thing I want us to see is the persistence of prayer. After teaching this pattern, after teaching what we know as the Lord's Prayer, he now goes into a parable in verse 5. And he talks to us about being persistent in our prayers. Here's what he says, verse 5. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go out to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, He will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Let me paint the picture here. Here is the parable that's told. Right after telling the pattern, he tells us about persistence. He says, if you have a friend that shows up at midnight and starts knocking on your door... He's going to bother you at midnight, and you're going to tell him, hey, I don't have any food to give. But he, he, he petitions you and says, I have a friend who has come from a country, and he showed up at my house, and I have to give him something to eat. I don't have any bread. Now, you have to understand, in that culture, they didn't have buckies right down the street. They couldn't just go down the street and pick up bread would have been something that was made within the house. And if you were out, you would have to turn to a neighbor for need. It was also very important in that culture if you were receiving somebody who was a traveler that you would give them something to eat. It was a hospitality culture. And if you didn't have anything to eat, it would have been something that was very, very offensive. And so you go to the neighbor's house and say, look, I've had somebody come from afar and I don't have anything to feed them. Would you? He says, you're not going to answer that prayer at midnight simply just because there is a need, but because there is persistence, because the knocking continues and continues. And he says, you continue to knock and you continue to knock to knock until the answer comes. I love the way the NIV says verse 8 there. It says, Yet because of your shameless audacity is when the answer will come. I wonder in our lives, when was the last time we petitioned God with some shameless audacity? A few weeks ago, Pastor Derek was talking about the fact that God spoke over their household one word, and that was to ask and ask big prayers. 
to petition and to continue to knock. God, I haven't seen your answer yet, but that is not going to stop me from asking. I am coming after you. I am knocking. I am sticking to it. When I was growing up, my mother used to call it stick to Shameless audacity. Over in Ephesians chapter 6, we see the armor of God. The Bible says when you're faced with stuff and you haven't seen the answer, here's how you fight. You put on the full armor of God, girding yourself with the belt of truth and the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit and all of these different elements. You get to the end of Ephesians chapter 6 where he's talking about the armor of God. Then what does he finally say? When you've done everything else, stand and with all prayer and supplication make your requests made known to God. Prayer is a weapon that we often leave on the shelf. He says, you will get the answer when you are audacious and shameless in your continual persistence. Continue to ask. The old timers used to call it praying through. We don't just pray these little prayers, but God, i got to have an answer for you. I can't look to society anymore. I can't figure it out on my own. I have to have you show up in my life. And so I am going to persistently, like that neighbor in this story, continue to knock, continue to ask, continue to seek. In my life as a pastor, I could tell you one of the hardest things to deal with is walking through people with through situations that are difficult. And you see them praying and seeking and asking. And then they begin to wonder, God, why haven't you answered yet? What do I do? Well, you continue like the persistent neighbor to pray and to seek and to ask and to go after God. Just this week, I was talking to someone who has been praying some big prayers. Long time hasn't been answered yet. What was the advice? Keep on believing. Keep standing in faith. Don't stop being persistent. Can I be honest with you? This portion of the passage is kind of difficult for me as a, as a pastor and just as a person. Because almost, in a sense, you begin to wonder, God, why do we have to beg you to show up on our behalf? But I want you to understand something here. This reveals more about the petitioner than the person that's inside the house. What is being taught here is the faith and the trust that it takes for us to keep asking when we haven't seen the circumstance change, when we haven't had the bread, when we haven't had a change, we continue to ask. So it's more. Jesus stands ready. God stands ready to answer our requests, and we know with confidence that He hears us when we pray. He is asking, who would stand in faith and with audacious faith continue to ask until the answer? Because that reveals trust. And reveals our true heart. Continue to pray. Continue to seek. Continue to ask. First thing we saw was a pattern of prayer, persistence of prayer. Now I want to see the promise of prayer. Another way you could say this is the power of prayer. Find it in Luke chapter 9, uh, chapter 11, verse 9. So he goes, he teaches a pattern. Talks to him about being persistent in the prayers. Then we get to verse 9. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Listen, 
Knock, and it will be opened. Keep on knocking. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will, it will. Do you see how many times it says there, will, it will be opened. Don't stop knocking. Now, just for a point of clarity, doesn't mean that God just automatically answers every prayer that we pray. Doesn't mean that every time we just say, God, this is my want and this is my desire, that it just shows up tomorrow morning. After all, we sing this song, God is a good, good father. And I am loved by him. And I, I got to admit to you, probably one of the most theological truths that will help you with this is found in the Garth Brooks song. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs that just because he does not answer doesn't mean he doesn't care. Sometimes I thank God for answering. I'm very ashamed that I could do that in quoting that to you. Don't even have to look down at the words. Didn't have to look the words up. Jones Creek, baby, that's what I'm talking about. See, sometimes... God doesn't always just answer. Sometimes if our motivation, James says, if our motivation's wrong, he's not going to answer our prayer. James tells us if our heart's in the wrong place, he's not going to answer prayer. The, the Bible tells us that if we don't treat our spouse right, he doesn't hear us. The Bible tells us that all these different ways, if our heart and our motivation and our posture is not right, God ne doesn't necessarily answer. But also, God knows better than we do. And sometimes we have to thank God that he didn't answer the prayer because sometimes he wants to work in our situation sometimes he's just needing to work on us he knows what's best james 4 3 says it that like this when you ask you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend and what you get on the pleasures of this life but when our when our motives are right and we are praying according to God's will, we can stand in faith believing because 1 John 5, 14 says this, and this is the confidence, this is the promise that we have that if we ask anything according to His will, that's the big key, right? That He will hear us. Check this out in verse 11 in our passage. Here's the real reward. What father among you, if a son asks for a fish instead of a fish, gives him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, he will give him a scorpion? Or if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You want to talk about the real reward. He doesn't just give us what we want. He gives us what we need. And here, one of the ultimate promises he gives is, I will give you my Holy Spirit. If you are a father and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more when you ask the Heavenly Father, he's going to give you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit in us is more than Jesus beside us because the Holy Spirit in us guides us and leads us. And, and he says, you want to start asking prayers. goes past petition to a personal relationship. There's a promise in prayer. Let me ask you a question as we are entering into 2017. 
What are the prayers that God is calling you to shamelessly and audaciously pray? As a church, we uh, have taken some steps over this last year, and God has rewarded those steps of faith. And now we're saying, God, we don't want to miss. We want you to go beyond what we could ever hope or imagine. Help us to ask and pray audacious prayers, because we, when, you, when you are praying according to His will, He will answer. In your personal life, what audacious, shameless prayer, persistent prayer is it that God is calling you to ask? At the end of 2015, starting up in 2016, Champions Club has just become part of who we are as a church. But do you realize that only kicked off about April of last year? We only started sharing that with you in December of 2015. Just barely over a year before we ever even talked about it as a congregation. We began to say, God, you know, there's special needs communities around us. And God, audaciously, shamelessly, we're going to ask you that we would be a church that has an opportunity to minister to families in need. Because of that faith, you guys were so faithful and we were able to step forward and we, we did this thing and, and God has been bringing families and touching ministry and, and, and lives and, and, and using people in such great ways. We've seen many lives change. Well, just this week, speaking of prayer, we received a testimony of somebody who came to church here primarily after hearing about Champions Club. One of the requests that I said, look, hey, is God answering prayers in your life? And many of you begin to respond. Here is one of the responses that I received. It was from Nicole, who goes to church here. It says, this past week, while Jaden was in pediatric ICU from Wednesday the 4th till Monday the 9th, we had many, many people praying. Sunday the 8th, the doctor came in that morning and told me he did not see Jaden going home until Wednesday or Thursday. He was still having a good amount of trouble with his right lung through asthma attacks and bronchitis. We walked, played, and did a lot of breathing exercises. I watched church online live that day. That same night, Sunday the 8th, I prayed and read the scripture for an hour for my baby to be healed with minimal setbacks. The doctor came in Monday morning listening to Jaden's heart and looked at and. To my surprise, the doc even said there was no way Jaden's right lung had miraculously been healed overnight. Doc told me that he could go home later in the day if he stayed clear. At 5 p.m., the last hospital lung check was done, and we were released. Praise the Lord. God still answers prayers. But it's going to take some people in 2017. I don't know what the prayer is that you need to pray. But if you will come to him in his pattern, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Hey, God, you know what? I realize you're preeminent. I know that you are more powerful. I know your will is better. God, I do have some needs, and I'm going to petition. I'm going to continue to be persistent. I'm going to continue to knock, and I'm going to release these needs. God, if there's anything in me, would you help me to forgive those that need to be forgiven just as you've forgiven me? Would you help me to walk in deliverance in my life? God, as I come to you in that way, God says... He delights in hearing the cries and the prayers of his people. And I want to say that he not only delights, he delights in answering. Every parent in here understands that. 
when your child comes to you in the right posture, and then all of a sudden you are able to do something that is a blessing to them, it brings joy to the parent's heart. He delights in doing something magnificent. Take heart. Keep praying. 2017, during this prayer and fasting time, God, would you reveal those things that I need to, with shameless, audacious prayers, begin to pray? Would you begin to release something in my life? Begin to do it and let God step in and answer. I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes and pray with me for just a moment. Let's ask God to begin to personalize this to us. Father, I thank you that there are some habits that are worth having as we are in the new year. God, there are some habits that will change and transform our lives if only we will put them into practice. Father, right now, I pray over the people that are in this place that, God, this has been educational in nature, but, God, there's something that just grabbed a hold of their heart. There's an audacious prayer you've been telling them to pray, but, God, they've stopped believing. They've stopped knocking. They've stopped seeking. God, however it is that you want to speak to us through this message today, would you begin to challenge and would you begin to change our hearts? Father, maybe it's the posture in which we've been approaching you. Instead of, Father, thy will, it's, God, my will be done. Father, maybe we've not seen you in how hallowed and how worshipful that we should come to you. And, God, we've just been coming to you with our list. Instead, we, we come to you and allow you to be God, would you begin to speak to our hearts? Help us be creatures of habits as it relates to our prayer lives. Help us to continue to seek and knock in Jesus' name. Heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. You're already a Christ follower, but you would say, Cecil, in my life as I'm going into 2016, I've been knocking, I've been seeking, but I'm getting weary, but God has given me a promise, and God, you're re reinstituting that promise in my life today to continue to knock, to continue to trust, to continue to believe, audacious faith, and as you go into this coming year, you say, God, Help me to be persistent in believing you. Maybe that's what God is speaking to your heart. I want you to raise your hand right here in this moment and let me pray over you in just a moment. See those hands. Maybe for you, you say, man, my posture hadn't been right. I haven't been letting the Lord deliver me of some stuff. There's some stuff in my life that's not right and it's hindering my prayers. Maybe that's where God's speaking to you. If you want to raise your hand right where you're at, no one else is looking around, I'll pray for you. Amen. There are others. a moment I want to pray for you and I want 
you to begin to pour out your heart to God even now as I'm continuing. Say, God, these are the areas where I've not been believing. I've stopped asking. I've stopped seeking and knocking. Now, maybe there's others in this place. You say, God, thank you that we're learning about prayer today, but I don't even know where my relationship is with Jesus. And I want to be included in a prayer that says, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life so that then I can entrust my life to you. If that's you, with heads bowed and eyes closed wherever you're at. I need to give my life to Jesus or I need to return to him. I want to pray for you. Would you raise your hand right where you're at and let me pray for you as well this morning. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I love you and I thank you. Right now as I'm praying, we're doing business with you. We're talking to you. We're making this place into a prayer room. God, all those that raise their hand, they're confessing those areas where your spirit is highlighting something in, your, in their lives. Father, we confess where we stop believing and we stop knocking. God, we confess when our pattern has been more about us than your kingdom, your purpose, your will, your preeminence in our life. God, we, we confess when we have given up on the promise of God in our life. And right now, wherever God is speaking, just say, God, right now, forgive me and help me to walk in newness in this area. Now, Father, I pray for those who raise their hand for salvation or to rededicate their lives to Jesus. It's the beginning point for them, and I pray right now that you would allow them to confess their sins. You said... All have sinned and come short of your glory. That that sin would equal death, but the gift of God because of Jesus coming and living a sinless life and dying on the cross that is available to us is the forgiveness of our sins and the cleansing of unrighteousness and a relationship with you. Jesus, right now, they confess, they admit their need, and they believe. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Amen and amen and amen.